Good morning. Great to be here with you. Really glad that you're here for another morning of worships. Always good to be together. If you're visiting with us, you are our honored guest, and I hope to meet you after worship. We invite you to stay for Bible classes, and uh, we have a bunch of classes for adults all the way down to the youngest ones here. So please plan to stay for Bible class after worship. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're with us as well. Thank you all for, for being here this morning. You know, we live very fast-paced lives. If you're anything like me, it seems like you bounce around from one thing to the next every single week and you can hardly catch your breath, right? And I, I know that some of you are this way because sometimes I ask, uh, how you doing? And one of the main words I get is busy. You know, that's, that's kind of one of the things that we say a lot is, I'm busy, I've got a lot going on. You know, we pack our schedules full of things. You know, we have a lot of obligations, right? We have obligations uh, at work. Each week we have different tasks and responsibilities to, to do, to carry out each week, every day at our jobs, right? And that can entail a lot of different things in different places. We've got obligations here with the church, right? To be here together to encourage one another to reach the lost. Some people lead ministries, and many of us, maybe all of us are a part of a ministry. We have obligations here with the body of Christ. We've got obligations at home, and that can entail a lot of things from doing chores around the house to taking care of the kids if you have kids, and taking care of kids entails a lot of different things, right? Like being involved with school, and that has a lot of different things with it too, like sports and band and other extracurricular activities that, that we could be in, involved with. Then we start talking about things outside of school, like maybe uh, park ball and and other things that our kids may be involved in, may have obligations with other friends. But each week we kind of pack our schedules, right? And, and we have a lot of different obligations that we have to meet, a lot of things that we have to do in our lives. And on top of all of this, we've added these little things right here. And whether we realize it or not, these little devices here, phones, tablets, computers, whatever, really add to the fast-paced nature of life. They really do. In a matter of seconds, we can have just about any information that we want. In a matter of seconds, we can know what's going on across the entire world. In a matter of seconds, we can chat with somebody across the world, call somebody across the world. In a matter of seconds, we can have any amount of news that we want right in front of us. And if we don't want to see it, guess what? We just scroll, right? We scroll until we, we see what we want to see. And, and we, just, we can just have whatever we want, really, whenever we want it now. No longer do we have to wait for the paper or the evening news to find our information, right? We've got it right here in our pockets. Everything's right there for us. We can access anything. I've heard a, an interesting way of describing our culture uh, as a microwave culture. The idea is, you know, a microwave can give you your food very quickly as compared to a, an oven, right? It heats up food a lot quicker. And the idea is that we don't like to wait for things these days. We want our information now. We want what we want right now. And these phones, these tablets, all these things have added to that fast-paced nature. When I was a youth minister in Montgomery, I was doing a lot of research on this because a lot of kids are really enthralled by these devices, right? 
And I found uh, back then, this was a few years ago, it may have even grown since then, I maybe should have looked that up, but back then the average teenager spent seven to eight hours a day in front of a screen. Now, you multiply that, let's just take seven hours by seven days a week, and you get what? 49 hours of screen time per week. And I I heard a lesson on this one time. A a man named Phil Brookman at a, a youth rally said, we're so busy because we're trying to pack in seven days of obligations and work into five days because we're wasting two whole days on our phones or on computers and whatnot. We're trying to squeeze everything in to five days because we're wasting it on our devices the other two days, right? Now, it may be different for each person. You may not be on your phone that much, but the point is this has added to the fast-paced nature of, of life. And on top of all of this, haven't even mentioned yet the tragedies of life that happen. You know, people in this congregation right now are facing some tough things. People who have Uh, suffered some falls recently and broken some bones, people who have lost loved ones recently, people who have had illnesses and sicknesses and problems going on within the family. And all of these things can seem to pile up to the point where we can never catch our breath, where we can't ever just slow down and really reflect and really just look at how life is going and really pause and spend some adequate time with God. Here's the thing, Satan wants us to be distracted. He wants us to pack our schedule so much that we push God out and we push the other important things out. And unfortunately, that happens. And, and just, I'm, I'm in this boat with you. Like, I'm very busy, and sometimes I don't slow down enough to spend quality time with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is finding that time to slow down, to spend time in reflection, and in scripture reading, and in prayer. Being with God, present within. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at the greatest example, and that's Jesus, who modeled this perfectly. And Jesus is our example in everything. And I think he's the greatest example for this, for pausing to take time with the Father. And then we're going to look at the benefits of slowing down, and then we'll be be done. Let's look at a couple passages where Jesus modeled spending time with God. Mark chapter 1, very early on in his gospel, Mark 1, 32 to 35, says this, That evening at sundown they brought to Jesus him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, we have to imagine the scene here, okay? And just kind of reading through this, we may skip some of these details. But just imagine today, if there was some person who who could heal someone with a word or heal someone with a touch, take away cancer or heart disease or blindness or lameness or whatever it may be, who could do it in just a second, right? People would be flocking to that person, Like, we'd want to see this person heal all these people. And that's exactly what's happening. Jesus is healing all these people. And and so more and more people are coming to him to see him. And he had to have been tired, right? Healing person after person and being surrounded by all these people. There's probably quite a commotion. But notice what it says there at the end. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he 
prayed. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus chose very early in the morning while it was still dark to go out. He's trying to escape notice because he's so popular and people want to see him. People want to be healed by him. But he finds the time to go out and be alone with God to pray. So what, what I want to point out about this one, I want to point something different about each passage we're going to look at. It'd be wise for us to follow Jesus' example here and find a particular time and a particular place to spend time with God. A particular time and a particular place. A lot of people say, well, it's got to be in the morning. You know, that's the best time to do it. That may not be the best time for you. The afternoon may be the best time. The evening may be the best time. Whatever the best time for you is to get away and spend time alone with God, you need to do that. It can be the morning, the afternoon, the evening. We need to find that good time where we can be in a desolate place. What I mean by that is a place where we're going to be undisturbed, where we're not going to have distractions, where we can put everything else away and just focus on being with God. And you notice in the midst of healing all of these people and in in the midst of ministering, Jesus still steps away. And so that's the first thing I want to point out to you. Find that time and that place that works for you to spend some time with God. Be in the word and be in prayer. Here's another passage here, very similar passage. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 to 16. But now even more the report about him. Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In this context, he's just healed a leper, somebody with a, a, a bad skin disease, right? And again, if somebody could do that, we would want to see that. We would want to be around that person. If somebody we knew was sick, we want to take them to him, right? And so he, th- this report is going out about him. Hey, he healed this person. He healed that person. His popularity is growing and growing, and great crowds are gathering around him. I'd say probably even a greater crowd than we have here this morning are, are flocking to see Jesus, and he's healing people. And folks, Jesus was absolutely God. He's God in the flesh, 100%, but he's also 100% man. He knew what it was like to get tired, to get weary, and certainly he had to have gotten tired healing all of these people and traveling to and, and fro from different places, right? No doubt he was tired, but he still made the time to withdraw to desolate places and pray. And what I want to point out to you about this one is that it seems that this was not just something Jesus did every now and again. You know, Jesus goes one month without spending time with God and then gets back into it. No, this is something he did regularly. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And passage after passage, we can see that Jesus does this. We're not even going to look at all of them this morning, just a sampling of them. This is something that Jesus did regularly. And so, folks, what I want to point out to you here is we need to make a habit of spending time with God regularly, getting away from from our our distractions and getting away from the busyness of life, the chaos of life, and spending time with God regularly, making it a habit. I've, I've heard it takes 21 days to establish a habit. I don't know how true that is, but if we can get into that routine of of starting to be with God and and making that a priority each day, it'll start to become a habit and something that we want to do, something that we'll crave to do. And that's something people point out about this is, well, hold on a second. Jesus could have ministered to so many more people, but he stepped away and, and he missed those opportunities. 
But folks, I don't think it's an either or thing. It's not a you either minister or you spend time alone with God. It's, it's a both and. It's you can, We minister to people and we spend time alone with God. Jesus knew how to prioritize. He was self-disciplined. He knew when there was a time, I need to recharge. I need to be with my Father to connect with Him and to, to, to get the peace that comes from that. He knew, knew how to prioritize. And so many times we don't, I'm really bad at this. I'm really bad at saying no to things. And I get going too many times and I can miss out on the important things. Sometimes we may have to say no to step away and reconnect with the Father. And obviously ministry is so very important. We have to be involved with that too, but not at the expense of our personal relationship with God. We can do both. And that's what Jesus did. A great example here. Here's another passage, fascinating passage here. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Now, in this context, right after this, Jesus goes and he uh, selects the 12 disciples who will, who will be the apostles. We're talking about Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, those guys, right? Those select few that Jesus chose to, to follow him in his ministry. And so many scholars believe that he was on the mountain praying that night for these men. Now, the text doesn't tell us that, that he, what exactly he prayed for, but it seems likely that he prayed for those men that he was about to choose. But the fact of the matter is he prayed all night long. Don't know how many hours, don't know how much time, but the point is he spent an extended period of time with God. It wasn't just five minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It was an extended period of time and we need to be taking lessons from Jesus here we need to find periods of extended time with God not just a few minutes if you can find a few minutes here and there that's great but I think it'd be wise if we take extended periods of time to spend with God it may not be an entire night okay if you can do that that's that's fantastic but you may not be able to do that but find a time where you can spend extended periods of time with God. A while, a while in his word, a while in prayer. Being with him for a long time, it's re- it really will help you. Now, what, what else I want to point to you about this? Again, Jesus selects his apostles right after this passage. The 12 men who would follow him in his ministry. These men would, would go on to change the world, spread the gospel to the world, Right? Whenever there's a big decision we have to make, whenever we have something huge coming up in our lives, especially in those times, we should be going to the Father, right? We have a big decision to make, a big, a big problem in our lives, something that we need to handle. Who better to turn to than the Father? There's no one better to turn to. And so when those times come, we have big decisions to make, big things on our minds. Let's go to the Father. Let's, let's spend time in prayer with him, extended time with him. And we're going to find the help that we need. We'll look at that passage here in a few minutes. But I also want to encourage you at any time to go to the Father. Not just in the times where things are heavy. We should go to him in those times, but all the time, every day. One last passage about Jesus. Another interesting passage. Not only did Jesus model this perfectly for us to follow he actually taught his disciples to do the same this is mark chapter 6 i know it's getting cut off there at the bottom mark chapter 6 verses 30 to 32 says this the apostles returned to jesus and told him all that they had done and taught 
And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a little while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. In this context, Jesus has sent out his apostles to, to minister. And they, were, they had these abilities to, to heal people and, and to cast out demons. And they were ministering and preaching. And they came back and they reported to Jesus all that they had done. And, and it's so busy that they can't even find time to eat. And Jesus says, hey, let's step away to a desolate place and let's just rest for a little bit. He doesn't say, all right, you're back. Let's hit the ground running. Let's go, let's go, let's go. No, he, he says, listen, you've come back from a, a long journey and, and ministry. Let's take some time to rest. Let's go to a place where we won't be, be distracted and let's talk about this. Sometimes, folks, we just need to rest. We need to just stop what we're doing, stop the busyness, stop the chaos of our lives and just sit back and reflect. Just sit back and rest a little bit. That's what Jesus taught his disciples to do after a, a long period of ministry. And then they got right back to it. Don't be mistaken. They didn't take a huge long break. They get right back into it. But Jesus is teaching his apostles, you're going to need time to sit and reflect, to rest. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus did this, the son of God, the perfect son of God, spent time with the Lord to, to be alone with him, how much more do we need it? How much more do we need that time? If Jesus did it, if Jesus taught his disciples to do it, how much more do we need to do it? We need this time to spend alone with God, to reconnect with our Father, and we'll find some great benefits from it, and it will bring honor to his name. That's why I charge you this morning. Follow Jesus' example of spending time with the Father, finding extended period of time, finding desolate places to go to, finding a time every day to do this. We need it in the midst of busy lives and a busy world to reconnect with the Father. Now, what are the benefits of slowing down? What are the benefits of actually getting into God's word and praying, being alone with him and, and diving into devotion to him? Look at Psalm 19, 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Did you see all that the psalmist talks about here? About the, the laws of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the, the commandments of the Lord. T take a look at these things. Number one, the law of the Lord restores the soul. Restores the soul. The, the word for re restore here is, is simple, uh, similar to the word uh, repentance. It's like this idea of returning or, or turning back or bringing back. God's word brings us where we need to be. It, 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 it's the only thing that can make our souls right where we need to, to be. It brings us back into a relationship with God. If we don't get into his word, we can't be restored. We can't have that relationship with him. The only way we can find that restoration of our soul is through the holy word of God. Notice also that the testimony of the Lord makes us wise makes us wise. 
Go read the book of Proverbs for this, but that's really where wisdom begins, is in the knowledge of God, is knowing him. Wisdom is not just accumulating knowledge, right? It's the application of that knowledge, using it correctly, using what we know in the correct manner. And we will be more and more wise the more we dive into God's word. The more that we get into this book, the more wise we're going to be, the more we're going to understand how we can live in this world and and navigate this life is if we dive into this book. Look, he also says the precepts of the Lord bring joy to the heart. It rejoices the heart. We find true joy, that lasting pleasure, that gladness and contentment, we find that in God's word. The things of this life, they're all going to pass us by. They're all going to lose its effect on us, but not God's word. That brings that joy, that lasting inner contentment and satisfaction that we all want, right? Even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we can have the joy found in God's word. How about the commands of the, the, the Lord enlighten our eyes? Enlightening the eyes. It reminds me of the passage in Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. With God's word, we can see. Everything's illumined. Everything's better with God's word. It gives us insight. It brings life to us. It enlightens us and enlightens our path. Nothing else really will do that for us. And here's the thing. God's word should be desired more than anything. See at the end there? To be desired more than gold, than much fine gold, and even more than the drippings of the honeycomb. Here's the question. That's the key really too. Do we desire God's word more than anything? Do we desire God's words and commands and precepts more than even gold and the finest things in this life and the the sweetest food that we could ever taste? Do we crave God's word more than that? And if we do and we get into it, these blessings are ours, folks. Our souls are restored. We're, We're more wise. We have joy in our heart. We have enlightening to our eyes and our lives. But the implication is if we're not in God's word, then these blessings aren't ours. We can't be more wise if we're not in his word. We can't find the restoration for our souls. We can't find that joy if we're not in his word. Here's another passage very similar, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Let's not forget, this book is not just something that some men got together and just pinned and it's just like some type of myth or something. No, this is guided by God. All scripture guided by him. All scripture is God breathed. It's from him. And since it's from him, the holy one, the righteous one, it's profitable for us in all things. In every way, it's profitable for us. It's profitable for teaching. I left this one off the slide here. On accident, but it's there in the text, so we want to talk about it. It's profitable for teaching, and that's why we have Bible classes. That's why we have lessons, so that we can learn God's word and be taught what is correct, what is right. It's profitable for reproving. The word reproving here is actually the same word you find in Hebrews 11.1 1, that talks about faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's the same word here, conviction. And I love what Thayer's lexicon says that God's word is profitable for convicting one of his sinfulness. God's word convicts us. It it, it hits us deep within. 
and it changes our lives. It's profitable for that reproving. It's profitable for correcting. The, the idea here is restoring or bringing to an upright state. And it's kind of a, uh, similar to reproving. We're not always going to be right. We're humans. We, we make mistakes. But we can know God's word will always be right. And when we go to that, if we're wrong, this book will correct us. And it will show us the right path. It's profitable for training in righteousness. This is how we know God. This is how we know what's right is found in this book. And I believe all of us want to be like God, to model his character. We can't if we're not in this book. And it's profitable for making us complete. This word actually carries the idea of being fitted for use, being ready or prepared to be used. God's word prepares us to be re and we're ready to serve him. And it equips us for every good work. This book gets us ready for service to others and to God. We're prepared through the word of God. And here's the thing. Where would we be without God's word? Where would we be if we didn't have this book to guide us, to reprove us, to correct us, to train us, to make us complete, to equip us for every good work? And the implication, again, is if we're not in God's word, we're missing these blessings. Now, very quickly, as, as we, we're closing out here, let's talk about prayer. Philippians 4, 6-7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What we, this is really a good summary of what we've been talking about this morning. It's so easy to get anxious in this life with all the things that we have going on. And Paul says, take everything to God in prayer instead. Instead of being anxious, instead of having all these weights on your shoulders, go to God. And when you do, what happens? The peace of God, which surpasses even our understanding. We can't even comprehend that peace. It's going to overcome us. And it's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you want peace? Folks, peace, peace is not the absence of a storm. But it's that inner satisfaction and, and contentment, even within the midst of a storm. That we know that God's present with us. And we're going to be okay. I want that peace. And we can find it when we go to him. I found in my life, when I just pause and say a prayer, I feel so much better. I feel so much better about the day, so much better about what's coming ahead. When I go to the Father in prayer, because I know he's listening, I know he's going to answer. And he's gonna, that peace is going to guard my heart and my mind. Go to him in prayer. Don't be anxious, but take it to the Lord in prayer. Last passage. Before we close, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus has been through what we've been through. We don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with us. He can, and he does sympathize with us. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes, to be where we are. He identifies with us, and so we can take anything to him. Nothing is going to shock him. Nothing's going to surprise him. We have to take it to him, though. We have to go to him with everything that we've got on our shoulders, and when we do, 
we find the mercy and grace to help in time of need. When we need him most, he's going to come through. But we have to take it to him. So that's my challenge to you this morning, is to take it to the Lord. Spend time with him. Get away from the chaos of life and go to him. In closing, I want to read Jesus' word in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is calling each and every one of us to him. He's the only one that we can find true rest in. Don't you want rest? Don't you want to come to him and find rest for your soul? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's calling to you this morning. If you have any need, if you've been worried, if you've been struggling, come forward. We'd love to help you. If you want to join into God's family this morning, we'd love to help you with that as well. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.